Good morning. Now, I must confess to you, there was one thing that I was disappointed with, and that was when our rapper came out, he did not include the Cleveland Browns. Because we went to the, fir- we went to the playoffs for the first time in a long time. And so- amen, amen. Well, I can see why you want to be quiet. You hadn't been in a long time either. <laughs> I remember I did a chapel service for the Broncos, and I went out, and, and, and I tell you what really shocked me, was Russell uh, uh, Wilson, because I thought that this guy would be like huge and be a pretty big guy, but this guy just came up to here. I was like, my youngest kid is larger than he is, and so you all need to pray a little bit more. Amen. I don't know what's going to happen. Just keep praying. Well, you know, I am just so excited. Now, you all know that I am going to require you to say amen every once in a while. Amen, amen. Because I come from a culture that when you, you know, when you're in service and you're preaching and you're talking, it is not a monologue. It is not, who in the world was that? That, Yeah, I was looking for somebody. I thought they were black and they weren't. I said, Lord, but anyway, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a monologue. It's a dialogue where we can talk to one another. Is that all right? So if, so if you get real quiet and you start hearing me say, you know, I need some help, then you know what to say. You'll say? Amen. Amen. So let me just dive right in. Now, now let me tell you what I named this message. You're going to like this. This is going to be so impressive. I mean, it took a whole lot of thought. Now listen to it. It says, it says transitioning from comfort to chaos. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that good? Now, 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 a lot of people would say, well, isn't that kind of wrong? Wouldn't we like to transition from chaos to comfort? I mean, doesn't that sound pretty good? No, 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 but that's not what I'm talking about because that's not the passage in which I'm going to read today. It is saying, how do we transition from comfort to chaos? Let me tell you why. Because I want to suggest to you that most people enjoy being comfortable. They do. They love living in their, comfort, in their comfort zone. I mean, just think about you. You probably grew up you know, in a real nice, comfortable family. All of the needs and everything was taken care of. And then you, you probably lived in a real nice, comfortable neighborhood. And then you all of a sudden had some, some real nice, comfortable kids. And you know what happened? They went to a real good, comfortable school. And so you got your family, and you all joined a real nice, comfortable church with a great, comfortable youth group. And I look at that context, and I said, is that really what Jesus calls us to? No. Jesus, I'm telling you, if you look at the life of the disciples, they lived in one of of two places. They were either amazed or they were afraid. You'll see that in the text today, that they didn't have this nice, comfortable life with Jesus, like, oh, Jesus loves me, yes, I know. No, 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 that's not it. These guys were scared to death. And then once they got over the fear, and then suddenly they said, I better worship him, man, that dude is cold, man. And so so they were working within these tensions. And so what I'm going to do is I want to take a moment, and I'm going to read to you 
this wonderful, wonderful passage that, that, that really deals with our comfort zone. Okay, so, so if you have your Bible or your phone, or if you just don't want to look at either one and look at the screen, you are more than welcome. How's that? But I'm going to read this to you. Now listen to it. You got to hear it. Now it's in, it's in, it's in Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to begin with verse 22. Here it goes. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, listen, walking on the lake. <laughs> listen, when the disciples saw him following, walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost! You remember what I said? They were afraid. Did you see the tension? They were afraid. It is a ghost! They cried out, and they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. But Jesus, but Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. Lord! If it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Can you imagine that? Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to seek, cried out, Save me! Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him. They were afraid. Now guess what's happening? Now they're amazed. They worshipped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Isn't that good? Amen. That Jesus never calls us to live in our comfort zone. He calls us to live in this wonderful tension that we have. Now, I like this story because, you know, when I was a little kid, you know, I used to love to hear African-American preachers preach this text. Amen, amen. You all haven't heard of it. Somebody, listen, if you've never been to an African-American church, like in the inner city, you need to go visit one. Be, and listen, and especially if they preach this message, you would be fired up. Now, they did what they call hooping. Y'all ever heard of hooping in here before? Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's not hooping. That's not hooping. No, no, that's not hooping. Now, it's a style or it's a technique in our culture where the preacher starts out slow and then like, like he'll start saying, uh, you know, the disciples went out into the lake and, and they were in a boat and the boat went out and suddenly Jesus showed up. And so, so, so it's real nice in a good, nice, deep voice. But by the end of the message, they'll be hooping. And this is how hooping goes. Hooping is like singing the message. 
And so they're so like, they'll say, Peter got out. He got out of the boat. He walked. He walked on the water. Peter went down. Way, 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 way down. Now that ass hooping. And so by that time, the whole church is standing up on its feet, clapping and talking to the preacher. T- I mean, it is unbelievable. You need to go to a black church if you've never heard hooping before. But, 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 but this is amazing about this story because, because, because they focus on how Peter sunk. But the reality is, is that Peter did walk. Oh, yes, he did. Peter, that's what the text says. In fact, if you pay attention to the text and, and, and you think about history, there are only two people that ever walked on water. That is Jesus and Peter. There's no one else that ever walked on water. Now, I got to do, I'm going to do with you real quick because let me see how much time I have. I got about 20 more minutes, so you hear it, but I'm going to get you out of here quick today. Is that all right? Amen, amen, come on. But listen, I got to tell you, so, so I want to show you exactly what happened, okay? I'm going to try to give you, because I'm a visual learner, and I learn by seeing it. So I want you to, so can you imagine these disciples, they walk out, and then they get it. You better move over just a little bit, because I'm a big old dude. And, and when I move, you know, I move, and I'm big. But anyway, so can you imagine what happened? Here it is. You know, Jesus tells them, go over, and, and he says, Jesus made them get into the boat. So they had no other choice. And then suddenly, they're in the boat, and then all of a sudden, you know, the wind begins to pick up. And then and all the disciples are sitting here in this boat, and they, you know, just all the swallows, and they're going, and then the hair's blowing, and it's raining, and, and then the waves are bashing up. I guess it says it buffeted, which means that, that the waves were hitting it repeatedly over and over, and it was hitting, and the waves were hitting the boat violently, just causing the boat to rock. And so the disciples are out there, and they are scared to death. And they all were fishermen, so they knew about water, and they knew about if they fell in where they were going. And so they were out here, and this boat is rocking from side to side. It's going back and forth. And then all of a sudden, as they're rocking, and ah! they're screaming, ah! they're scared to death. And then suddenly, they look into the water, and they see something. You know what they say? Ah! It's a ghost! And it's, but it's Jesus. And so as they see, they're looking in the water. And, so, and so, so Peter, all of them are still screaming, but Peter sees Jesus. And he says, Jesus, can I come? Jesus, look. And I bet Jesus smiled. Jesus says, come. So Peter starts walking. And so I can see him saying, move back, Judas. Get out of the way. Matthew, move your legs. John, Peter, y'all get out, y'all get out of the way. Come on. He's up trying to get to Jesus. And then all of a sudden he gets up to the front of the boat. And I got to tell you, he gets to the most important part of the story. No, 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 no. The whole story. He says, okay, okay, here's the water. He said, okay, here he goes. He says, okay, okay. And now, now Peter was like me. He probably said, okay, one Two, now let me tell you most what's he and then here it goes. The most important part. Ah! The most important part is this transition of his weight. See, it's one thing to have your one foot in the boat and with your weight in the boat. But the most important part is when that weight transitions into the water. Because he doesn't know what's under the water. He don't, he doesn't know if the water's gonna be stable. Peter, he transitions, and then he's shocked because he didn't go down. 
And so, so Matthew's brother stood there and said, okay, Leah, can you see what that one just did? I want you to do the same thing. And so he pulled his other leg and bam, he's there in the water. One of two people ever to, ever to walk him, he's there. And so Jesus didn't tell him to stand. Jesus says, come. And Peter took a step. Ah! He didn't go, he didn't go anywhere. Ah! He's still on top of the water. Ah! And then all of a sudden this wave comes and the water sweeps him in his face and he started looking at the water and he said, ah! And then he sinks. And then the word says, he said, Lord, save me. And the scripture says, Jesus reached out and pulled Peter up into safety. Oh, you see, Peter did walk. And out of all the lessons you've ever heard, you better realize that this was a man that he, he moved. Now, what you've got to understand about it, you've got to understand the symbolism of all of that's going on. What did the boat symbolize? The boat symbolized comfort. The boat symbolized safety. The boat symbolized protection. And what the disciples were thinking, that if we can stay in this boat, we're going to be all right. And so I can see them clutching on the sides of the boat because they don't want to get out because what the water symbolized the, the water symbolized chaos. The water symbolized instability. The, the water symbolized danger and even death. That, that while the boat symbolized this, well, while it symbolized, you know, comfort, the water symbolized chaos. Ah, thank you so much. I needed that one. Thank you so and so And so what I'm saying is, is that Peter had the courage to transition from comfort into chaos. Oh, that's so good. Oh, my God, my God. Now, listen. So what I thought I would do this morning, real quick. Okay, no, no, I got about 17 more minutes. You Come on, we'll get you out of here on time. So what, what I want to do here this morning is I want to just give you a few principles because maybe you're here at this morning and maybe... You just kind of going through the motion spiritually. And what happened is you've gotten comfortable in your spiritual journey. I mean, just think about it. Most people don't really study the word or they don't have devotional lives. They don't do anything that allow intimacy. You know, they're just comfortable. They're just floating in the boat. Or, or, or maybe you're that type of person, you know, who says, you know, I'm not, I ain't going to give all my money. That's all the church do is beg. Oh, no, you're just comfortable. All the poor people all throughout this place, they showed a ministry today where people, they're feeding people. They showed it on the screen. <laughs> You've got all of this pain in the world, and yet you're just sitting back comfortable in your nice, comfortable neighborhood with your nice, comfortable. And what, and what Jesus comes to say this morning is, it is time for you to get out the boat. It is time for you to move from this safe environment that you've been living in. And it's time for you to take risks and say, God, I want you to use me and use me in a mighty way. Up. And so let me hurry up. I got to get out of here today. I got 16 minutes left. I'm, I'm on my way. And so, and so if I had to give you some principles this morning, let me give you a couple of principles. Is that all right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord, y'all going to help me now. So I call the, the overarching theme is principles that will empower 
us to transition from comfort to chaos. That's, a, that's what I call this. And so if anybody said, well, what did the preacher preach on? He said he just preached on transitioning from comfort to chaos. Now listen to this first principle. Man, this thing is so deep. Now if you're wearing a toupee, you better put your hand on your head because this thing's going to blow your toupee off your head when I say it. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen, amen, amen. So listen to what my first principle is. I put to transition from comfort into chaos we must overcome the distractions and move into action. Oh, that's so good. Oh, did you hear that? No, no. See, I need to get one of those big old chains. You know, like, hey, you must transition. Yeah, right? That's, that's what you got to do. See, there were so many distractions, but there was no action. They were stuck in the boat. There was nothing that they were doing. And there were all kinds of... There were all kinds of distractions. I mean, just think about it. I mean, I mean, when, they, when that boat started rocking, all of a sudden, you know, when, 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 they, when the winds pick up, the winds make all this noise, and, and the noise is loud, and it rocks that boat. And then that was a distraction, the noise, the wind. When the waves begin to pick up, that was a distraction. It started rocking this boat. And it's a little, ah, look at the waves, water coming over the sides. It was a distraction. But then if you, if you go in, there's something else that'll, that'll shock you. They were distractions. Ah! looking at each other. Ah! You know, can you imagine Judas looking at Matthew? Ah! I mean, they're going crazy. They were distractions. And then listen to me. This is going to shock you. Even Jesus was a distraction. You remember what they said about Jesus when they first saw him? Ah! It's a ghost! They misidentified him. And all of a sudden, Peter says, wait a minute. Let me look beyond these distractions. And he said, that's Jesus. He recognized him. And then he went, and, and you know what's so funny about, about Jesus? It's Jesus, you know, he, even though he, he told him, hey, don't be afraid. He only said one word after that. He probably had the lowest voice and the lowest voice in all of it. He, he was the lowest noise all over him. I mean, he, he, it was the lowest. This is what he said. Come. He invited Peter to come into the boat. And you know, if I had to look at this and give you a principle this morning, there are some of you that's kind of going through the motions in life. And you're in your comfort zone. But you know, you, you're being distracted. Some of you are distracted in your relationships, in your marriages. And all of a sudden you start having tension in your marriage and you're like, ah, ah. And then you know what you look at her and you know what she's in? Ah, ah. And so you get all these distractions. And your distraction could be your children. You raise these little knuckleheads up and all of a sudden they talk about this my business. No, it's not your business. You living with me. No, no, but anyway, they could be a distraction. <laughs> no, that's the truth, right? No, they said so they could be a distraction. Sometimes our health can be a distraction. And we can say, Lord, all of a sudden, you know, my health is not the best. And we go, we look at our bodies, we go to the doctors, and we get the doctor's report, and you know what we do? Ah! Same thing because we're distracted looking at all of these things. And you know what Jesus is saying to us? Don't be afraid. I'm still here. Don't, don't sweat it. 
I've got your back. And Jesus is saying to you, listen, don't sit there complaining. Come. Ah, my God, my God. That's what he says. Come. Whatever, whatever your storm is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's extending his hand to you. And Jesus is saying to you, come. Just come. Ah, that's it there. You hit me. Thank you, brother. I needed that one. Listen, but that's what he said. And that's why I said, see, Peter didn't do anything. He didn't have any action going until he was able to put aside the distractions. And once he could focus in on Jesus, he responded to Jesus' invitation, and then suddenly Peter got up, and he moved to Jesus. Oh, isn't that good? Well, that's one of the principles. You've got to make sure that, what did I say? Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to, we must overcome distractions and move into action. That's right. That's right. Don't be stuck. Don't get depressed. Because you've got the King of kings and the Lord of lords on your side. And that, that empowers you to move and go somewhere. But there's something else I got to tell you. Let me see. I got to check my watch, you know, because I, I know it's the Super Bowl today. I know you don't think I know it, but I do. And it's not to four o'clock. And if you got some real good food, you can tell me, you know, when the service is over, and I'll come over and eat it all up. <laughs> Let me tell you the second principle, though. I like this one, too. Oh, my goodness. Now, now this one is deep. Now, I don't know if you're ready for this one, but this is going to blow your, I'm t- it's going to blow your mind. Listen to what it says. It says, to transition from comfort to chaos, we must be willing to have a theological suspension of that which is logical. Up! Isn't that good? Not not a lot of y'all said amen on that. Well, let me help you out then. See, see, when I say a theological suspension, this is what I mean. Theo just simply means how we view God. That's theo, theological. Logical just simply means how we study, how we see, how we perceive God. So theologically, the way we see God, we must suspend because it may not make sense. That's what it means. That, that, that when we start looking at our perspective of who God is, then, then, then what sounds normal really doesn't make sense. Can you imagine what, as Peter was trying to get up and get out to Jesus, and remember these guys were fishermen, and then he's walking. Can you imagine Judas said, Peter, now don't you go out there. Now you know you don't need to be out there in that water. And then you get Matthew, you know, Peter, don't go out there. You don't lost your mind, fool. That's probably the wind that's fooling you. And then all these folk trying to talk to you, and they're trying to slow you down. You see, for them, it didn't make sense. You know why it didn't make sense? Neither one of them moved. Up! Oh. <laughs> They didn't go nowhere. They never got into the water. It didn't make sense. And so they decided to sit in the boat. They chose comfort. They chose protection. That's what they chose versus saying, God, how in the world do I step out of here and move into a place that no one else has ever gone? Because it didn't make sense. They had a perspective, man, I dropped fish in the water. I'm sorry, I dropped hooks in the water. I dropped nets in the water. I dropped a whole lot of stuff in the water. And guess what happened to it? It goes down. It didn't make sense. And when something doesn't make sense, you know what Jesus is trying to do? He says it at the end. He asked Peter, when Peter sunk, he said, why did you doubt? See, the purpose of this story is that Jesus is trying to build and develop your faith. That's what he's doing. See, most of us, listen, and I don't hate to say it. I'm just going to be honest with you. Most of us don't have the same amount of faith. We have to grow into faith. 
And what Jesus does is, is that he often will go in and he will allow a storm in our lives to see where we are spiritually and to check out our faith. If you are here today and you're going through a storm, you know what? You ought to say, now let me see how I'm going to respond to the storm. You don't go in there and call everybody and say, oh, look how bad I'm doing in life. No! You go and say, God, you know what? I know that I got you, and I want to walk with you through this storm. Because what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to take your faith to the next level. Now, like I said, I don't think we all have the same amount of faith. Let me give you an example. I think that if I call it faith 101. If you're in faith 101, that means that you probably, you, you're just putting your trust and confidence in Jesus. That you come up and you just say, Jesus, I love you and I want to trust you. Like, that's all it needs. It doesn't need anything else. Just, I want to trust you, period. That's all you need. It's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. It doesn't take nothing but a little bit of faith to do that. Now, what these disciples came up to that stayed in the boat, they came up to faith 202. They were in the boat, but they didn't respond. They were in the storm, but they didn't respond. They were following Jesus. They were walking with Jesus, but they didn't respond. And there are a whole lot of people in here that's in faith 202. That as soon as you go in the, as soon as you get into a storm, you're like, oh, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. You don't respond. There's no action. And then it's okay to be there because spiritual journey is a, the spiritual life is a journey. But you don't need to stay there. Every once in a while, you need to muster up enough courage to do what Peter did. That's faith 303, right? Uh-huh. And, so, and, so, and so what Peter did was Peter said, you know what, I, I'm, going, I'm going to the next level. And so, and so when Peter transitioned, look, look, when he transitioned, he was at the next level of his faith. See, he wasn't at the same level of the disciples. Peter was at the same, he was at a different level. And then, and then, and then, and then let's, real quick, and then I think that's faith 404. And I'm telling you now, faith 404 is something, man. My Aunt Bessie, I think she had faith 404. No, not really, because Aunt Bessie, she'd go up, she'd do some crazy stuff. And you'd be looking at Aunt Bessie like, is she crazy or what? You know, because she was an older lady. But faith, it says that, 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 that this faith, that you can say to this mountain, be moved. Now, I got to tell you, I tried it. I did. I did. And some of you in Colorado, you're going to try it too. But when I went to Israel, I went up and I saw this big mountain called Masada. And I had a devotion that morning on speaking to the mountain and telling the mountain to move. So I prayed myself up, fired myself up, and I said, Lord, it's time. It's time for this mountain to go. I'm not going over it. I'm going through it. And I went up to Masada and I said, Masada, move. Well, it didn't go nowhere, so I said, I guess I better go down, you know. <laughs> I'm not there yet, right? So, so none of that, but that's what it was. That's at a different level. And then, uh, and then at a whole different level is the spiritual gift of faith. You see, see, we're not at the same level. And what God is ex- asking you to do, I remember, <laughs> Lord have mercy, I only have nine more minutes left. I'm really moving through this thing quicker than I thought. But, but I remember when I first had to use faith, and I was in faith 101. In 19, listen, 1984, I gave my life to Jesus, my first year in the NFL. And so the chaplain, thank you so much, thank you. I got one Cleveland Brown fan here, I'm so happy. <laughs> but listen to me, I will never forget going there. And so Tom Petersburg, he was the chaplain of the Cleveland Browns, he came and he says, Ricky, you know what? 
He said, you're going to make a lot of money. And it really wasn't a lot of money compared to today. I think I was going to make like $250,000. And so Tom Petersburg says, Rick, you know what you ought to do? And I said, what? He said, you ought to tithe. And I said, what is tithing? So he says, tithing is, is trusting God with 10% of your resources. And I said, what? And so, I, you know, I'm not a dummy. You know, I can add that up real quick in my head. He says, yeah, just trust him with 10%. I said, are you telling me to, you know, I grew up in the hood. We've been robbing Peter to pay Paul all our lives. And you're telling me now that I make a little money, God's going to take $25,000 out of my pocket. You must have been smoking some of that new legalized marijuana from Colorado. That's what I said. And I'm not kidding you. It was, it was tough. And I wrestled with it for months. And all of a sudden, I said, you know what? If this is a part of trust in Jesus, I'm in. So I went in. Listen to what I did. I wrote the check. That was good. That check stayed in my pocket for four months. Then I took it out and wrote another check. Then I went into my pastor and I said, Pastor, I need to tell you something. He said, what is that? I said, I want to do what Tom called tithing. And he said, huh? He said, yeah. He said, well, that's really good of you, Rick. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, but let me tell you, this is the first time I've ever done this before. So you better, once I give you this check, you better go and put it in the bank today. Because if you go in there and try to get it tomorrow, I will have canceled it. And so, <laughs> because, because that's the, I was so far, I was happy for me. But that's what Jesus calls all of us to do. It may not be tithing. It could be going down to the inner city and working with the poor. It is saying, how do you leave your comfort zone? so that you can begin to take the next level, go to the next level of your faith. How do you go in and say, God, you know what? I'm not going to stay just sitting in a boat. In my, I'm going to go to the very next level. And let me tell you, God will honor you. Well, let me hurry up and give you this last one. Can I give you this last one real quick? And so, and so, and so oh my God, this is so good. It just makes me want to preach. But listen, listen to me. <laughs> I got this last one I'm going to tell you about. I'm going to go. But this last one is, so, so, so I got to read it to you first. Let me get it. Let me get the glasses out. Let, listen, listen, listen to this number three. This is what it says. To transition from our comfort, from comfort to chaos empowers us to move closer and closer to Jesus. Oh, isn't that good? Now, 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 now let me tell you why I said that. Let me tell you what I was thinking about. So just imagine. There were, there were really three groups of people there at this event. Who was, which group was in the most danger? I mean, which group really was really, I mean, they could have, they could have gone down any moment. Oh, now I'll tell you. You don't have to say a word. I'll tell you. First of all, Jesus wasn't in danger. No, he wasn't. He wasn't in danger. Because you remember at the end of the story, once they, once they climbed up into the boat, the storm just shut up and it was got quiet. That was because of Jesus. He had that kind of power. That when a storm began to raise, then Jesus with all this, he can go up and he could have just thought it and it would have stopped. So Jesus was cool. He had no problem being in the water because he controlled the wind and the waves. Oh, but what about Peter? Ah, no, Peter wasn't in danger either. No, 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 no. He, listen, listen, look, look. Can you imagine Peter? Can you imagine him in this water? And then and here's Jesus. He's like, ah. Ah. 
Uh, he get distracted by the winds and the wind. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the wave came really high. And Peter, ah, and he went down. And then he came, Lord, save me. And listen to what it says. Jesus reached out his hand. Peter was right there beside Jesus. He was so close to Jesus that Jesus could reach out and grab his hand. Up oh, you know that's good stuff. Come on. Somebody should have said amen. He was so close to Jesus that Jesus just reached down, grabbed him by the head, and Jesus pulled him up. Peter wasn't in danger. Guess who was in danger? The boat. You know why? They were farther from Jesus. If that boat would have capsized, they would have been all over the lake. Ah, ah, Jesus would have had to shut down everything just to go save all of them. I mean, they were in trouble. And so often, we think being in these safe spaces, they're safe for us, but they're not. No, Jesus says, no, I want you to get out. And I want you to do something different. I want you to, I don't want you to take the safe route. I want you to take the risk and get into the water. And as you get into the water, listen, and come closer to me. That's what he desires. Let me ask you a question. You know, how close are you to Jesus? Because so often we can be so far from him that he can't even grab us. And what Jesus is saying, come closer. I know you're in your comfort zone, but come closer. Because let me tell you, I don't care how bad the storm is, I'm in the middle of the storm. And then because I'm in the middle of the storm, I can reach down and catch you. You know what, you know what the great question I have for you is I, as I get ready to, amen, I'm gonna let you go early today. But listen, amen, amen. But let me, tell you, let me tell you what the great question. Jesus has given you the same invitation. Come. And what he's saying is come closer to me. Come. That's what he's saying. I know you're far away. Come. You said, but Rick, I'm struggling with anger issues. That's okay. Just come closer to Jesus. Come. That's what he's inviting you to do. And one of the great things we're doing here at church today, we're going to express that word come to you. And we're like, how can we express this, this word come? Well, guess what? That's why we have communion. It reminds us, come. That's why the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of Jesus. And you know what it symbolizes? That I don't care who you are, I don't care how old you are. I don't care what your issues are. What it symbolizes is that Jesus loves you so much. The scripture says, John 3, 6, and God so loved the world. 7.7 billion people all in one eternal act. He loves you. And I don't care where you come from, what state you come from or which neighborhood you come from or how much money you got. Guess what? The same word for all of us. Come. 
That's what he's calling us to do. Come. And so what we like to do is we would like to invite you to come. Now we have communion set up. If you're here in the middle, we have it set up on your table. We have the bread and the cup on your table. But maybe you're on the end. We've got, we've got stations. We've got one here, one here, but we also have two in the back. We want you to say, Jesus, maybe this is a day that I need to change some things. Today is the day that I'm going to draw the line and say, Jesus, I'm coming. The other thing that we're going to do is, I have this wonderful song. Let me tell you, I just want to read the words if you don't mind. And what it's, what it's saying is, just come because Jesus loves you. His arms are wide open. Listen what it says. It says, on the other side of everything, I'm afraid of. You're standing with your arms wide open. That's what the word said. He said, Jesus, he's standing there with his arms wide open. And it says, even in my deepest doubts and wonder, you are standing with your arms wide open. And the greatest thing you can do this morning is to respond. It's the day, Jesus, it's time for me to come. While they minister this song to you, I'd like to invite you to come and partake and share communion with us. But when you come, it's not just a cup of juice and, a cup and some bread. This is an invitation that Jesus is extending to you to come. Would you minister to us?